Welcome to Padmutun, Armenian History Podcast. Padiyagak Padmutun, Hayots Padmutiana Podcaster. Peter Virginia. This episode of Padmu Chun is a little different, and I want to start with a quick story. When I visited Armenia in 2015, on our way to the medieval monastery Noravank, we passed along the border of Nakhichivan, a province of Azerbaijan. What struck me the most about it were the berms that ran along the road there, these man-made hills of rock and dirt. They'd been put up during the war in the 90s to keep Armenians traveling along the road safe from Azeri snipers. And in 2015, that war felt like a long time ago, and those berms seemed like something left over from a much, much earlier time. But this year, on September 27th of 2020, Azeri forces launched an attack on the Armenian Republic of Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh. And as I record this a month later, things have only escalated. Now, if you're a listener of this show, you know that we usually talk about things that are much further in the past. Things like how Tigran the Great built a city there called Tigranikert in the first century BC. It was one of only four cities that bear his name. But while we weren't planning on doing an Artsakh episode, my co-host father Tadios Barsagian, as part of his Father Tad Talks, did a virtual talk on the Armenian monasteries and churches of Artsakh. So we thought it fitting to share that historical overview with you. This was recorded over a Zoom call, so the quality is Zoom quality. And we'll include some links to the video on the Father Tad Talks page in the description of this episode and on Facebook. And if you'd like to help the people of Artsakh, we'll include some links to the humanitarian aid as well. Okay, here's Father Tadios in his talk on the Armenian monasteries and churches of Artsakh. Welcome to our... Uh... Uh, virtual Father Ted Talks, uh, virtual age, new age, and uh, I usually do this in person, either at church, uh, uh, at our sanctuary, we, we have sometimes a projector and a screen, and sometimes I do, I prepare uh, videos uh, we, for Father Ted Talk presentations, I've done a few of those, uh, but today with everything going on, uh, I thought there was a need for some education with all of the uh, with so much misinformation out there about uh, what Artsakh is, uh, uh, the uh, the roots of Artsakh, uh, the heritage of Artsakh. There is so much misinformation out there. Uh, what, what kind of land it is and who it belongs to. I thought there was a need for some education about well, you know what, what really Artsakh is, and there is this ancient Christian heritage that we have. Uh, and, and he has been Christian since 4th century because he was part of Armenia. And Armenia became Christian and Artsakh also became Christian with Armenia because he was part of Armenia, it was Armenian land. And we have not, it's not just a talk that, uh, that, I, uh, that, I, that I have today in the presenting and saying you know, Artsakh is Christian, Artsakh is Armenian, but there is actual historical evidence to back that up. There are monuments, there is architecture, there are churches, there are monasteries uh, to back that, that up, that they, all these people, they live there and they created a heritage. 
it was their homeland. They created monasteries, they created churches, and there was this great Christian heritage that we have in Artsakh. And it's an important religious center, as you will see throughout this presentation for, uh, for, us, for us Armenians. So let me go and share my screen uh, to go into the presentation so we can learn uh, more. Uh, host disabled participants screen sharing, all right. Would you let me uh, share my, my screen, Mariana? Um, I didn't disable anything, so let me just, I can only make you a host, it looks like. Okay. Should, should I can do that? Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Thank you. All right. Can you see it? Okay, so Armenian monasteries and churches of, uh, of Artsakh. And as you can see on the on right side, probably one of the famous and most beautiful monasteries that we have, the monastery of Gansasur on top of the mountain that probably must visit place for many people who visit, who visit, um, who visit Artsakh, who visit this wonderful wonderful place. Uh, as I said already, there is a Christian heritage uh, since coming to us since fourth century uh, in, in Artsakh. There, is mon there are monuments, there are hajkars, there are, there are, there are churches and monasteries. Uh, and it, it has been predominantly Armenian, predominantly Christian land and Christian homeland for, for Armenians for centuries. Even pre-Christian era, Armenians lived there. There are even some, some of the monasteries actually, there are they are built on place of pagan temples, and it was as it was a case for many of the churches in Armenia as well. So, many some of these monasteries that we are going to talk about, they were actually already places of worship for pagans, and then later they become they become Christian Christian churches there as well. So, Armenians live here for 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 centuries. Even there were there were some uh, there were some evidence and about Armenians from Urartian times from. Uh, uh, the ancient times Armenians uh, living there. Some of the oldest monasteries, Armenian monasteries and churches, just are, are in Artsakh, actually, some of the oldest that, uh, that we have. Um, and of course, there is historical evidence that uh, St. Gregory the Illuminator's grandson, whose name was Grigoris, he actually visited these areas, and he was the first preacher in these areas. This area on Artsakh, they'll be called Nagorno-Karabakh, and all this area was part of a land called Arvank, Arvanit's area, and there was actually Catholicos at some point. There was separate Catholicos for, for Arvanit's area. So there was, when, when Armenia became Christian, St. Gregory the Illuminator, he sent his uh, grandson to go and to preach and to evangelize in these areas, in Artsakh and Arvanit's areas. And unfortunately, he was also martyred in that area too. He was killed in that area because the time was uh, was pagan. Metrov Mashtos, the founder, the creator of Armenian alphabets, he opened schools in Artsakh. And you will see later in a specific monastery that he opened first schools alongside other areas in, uh, in Armenia. So there is great historical evidence. This Hajkar that you see here, uh, here, this is the oldest known Hajkar to us. 
and it is found not in today's Armenia, it is found not in Western Armenia, it is found not in Jerusalem, it is actually found in Artsakh, this Hajkar. This is the oldest known Hajkar to us. It, was, it is dated 866. It was found actually in a, not far from a chapel in a village called Vahuhas from cemetery chapel. And it is, it is natural that a Hajkar would be found in a cemetery because the most common use for Hajkars was as a, as a tombstone. They would be, uh, as, uh, it was most, most traditional for Armenians uh, at a time. So this is, the, this is uh, the, the, the ancient, most ancient, this is the oldest Hajkar, crowstone. Uh, if you will, uh, of uh, that that we know today. And for those of you who are not familiar with uh, with with Hajkars, uh, it is a specific religious and Christian art that uh, specific to Armenians. Uh, and of course, um, Irish, uh, uh, they they are Irish uh, Celtic uh, crowstones as well, which are. A simpler version of of, of Hajkar's crossstones that we have because ours are more elaborate versions of uh, of crossstones. So they are carved crosses on the stone, and usually it is tufa stone that we use, which is soft but durable stone. If you live in Minnesota, if you visit Saint Sahak, you will you'll see a beautiful Hajkar crossstone right outside of our church uh, that is brought from Armenia in 2015 as we commemorated the 100th anniversary of the Armenian genocide. So this is the oldest Hajkar. And, uh, and I know there was a, uh, there was a historian uh, some years ago, and he was really uh, interested in finding the oldest Hajkar. So this was the oldest Hajkar he was able to find. And it is dated 866. The next one is dated 876, and it is found in Arad region. In, in Armenia, dedicated to one of the queens of Armenia. But this is the oldest that is found uh, in, uh, in a cemetery in Artsakh. So there is this, this greatest great heritage that we have and great monuments that we have in Artsakh. This is the first picture when it was first found. I'm sure it's, it's placed in a better, better place uh, for people to come and see. This was a picture that he posted, the person, the historian that he, uh, that he found. As we go uh, to, to a monastery, this is the oldest monastery in Artsakh. It's called Amaras Monastery. As you can see, it's beautiful. It's right in the middle of the field. There is nothing around. And it is common to monasteries too. They were either, their monasteries usually all built on top of the mountain, then nobody can bother them. Nobody would go and there is no road. There is no, you know, now we put a, we have roads getting there. We have even cable car going to Dalton Monastery. But back then they, they, they wanted to be far, as far away as possible from villages and from towns and cities. And Amaras Monastery is a, uh, is little far from, from cities as well. As you can see, there is nothing, nothing around it. But this monastery was found in fourth century in fourth century and it's actually interesting because the officially the founder of this monastery is saint gregory the illuminator he founded probably few churches of course the main church that he started in 301 the cathedral of holy Echmiadzin. this is one of the few amaras monastery churches that he saint gregory the illuminator started in Armenia, of course, there were many that he tried to uh, that, that he tried, to, and his, his 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 children as well who continued his uh, his work. But his grandson uh, uh, Gregoris uh, is actually buried in this monastery. 
as you can see, this is the tombstone of Saint Gregory, Saint Saint Gregory, who was martyred in this area in 348, and that's the tombstone that in Armenia we can see here. When I visited this monastery, uh, uh, I was able to go down and say a prayer here as well. Uh, it was uh, probably in 2010. As you can see, he was a bishop because on a tombstone you can see his head and the cross and, and all the vestments that bishop would bear. So this was a tombstone of St. Gregory's, uh, so Gregory's, the grandson of St. Gregory the Illuminator, who preached in this area, so he evangelized these areas. Uh, founded by St. Gregory the Illuminator, uh, it was built by, by a king in these areas. He was called Vachagan Barebasht, <laughs> or Vachagan the Pious. He built many chapels and churches in this area. He was really a pious person, and he was a faithful person. So he built this, uh, this, uh, this monastery. Uh, and of course, later, St. Gregory, he was, uh, he was buried in this monastery. And until now, this is the tomb of St. Gregory's grandson of uh, St. Gregory de Illuminate. We don't even have a tomb for St. Gregory de Illuminate. We don't, we don't know where, where his children, his Aristarchus and others, but this is the one of the few from his family that we know exactly, that we know that his remains are in this area. Uh, St. Maestro of Mastos, the inventor of Armenian alphabet, he actually, as he was going around, around Armenia, Sunnic region that is next to Artsakh, as well, he was going north, as he was going west actually to an Armenian site that, was, uh, that belonged to Byzantium, and he preached in Byzantium, he opened schools in Byzantium as well. He also visited Artsakh, and he started school in Artsakh. Interestingly enough, he started school at Amara's monastery because there was already structure here, because there was already a, a church here, there was already a monastery here, so he established a school at Amara's monastery. This became a really important center later for Armenian manuscripts, for Armenian writers, for Armenian historians. Amara's monastery for a long time was an important center for Armenian Christianity, and it is, it is today as well an important religious center uh, for all the pilgrims who would like to go and visit Artsakh. So that's one of the important places. If you make pilgrimage to Artsakh, Amaras Monastery is definitely on that list to visit the tomb of St. Gregory's grandson of St. Gregory de Illuminary to see the school and to see this beautiful site, uh, uh, Amaras Monastery. The monastery was actually uh, renovated and uh, today it is functioning as a church. There is a priest there. Uh, I, I know the priest personally, I met him. Uh, he's actually from Artsakh, the priest. Uh, They're serving in this church. He was born and raised there and he was educated in Holy Eshmazin. Uh, and then uh, he went back and he started serving in the Amaras, uh, Amaras Monastery. It is functioning uh, church Amaras uh, Monastery. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful picture as you can see of the church. And as I said, after he was liberated uh, in 1993, I believe, 19. Uh, they renovated the monastery. The area is beautiful too, uh, so it's a beautiful place. This is the inside of the church. As you pay attention, the altar is a little different. Uh, usually, Armenian altars, we have an icon, right? If you come to St. Gregory, uh, to Saint, Saint, if you come to St. Sahak, you'll, uh, you'll see we have an icon of, uh, of St. Mary with, uh, with Jesus. Uh, and most of the Armenian churches nowadays we have uh, we have a different altar, uh, but this is uh, more more more. This is the older version 
of Armenian altars. And this comes to us from uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, so this is the Old Testament version of altars. And some of the ancient Armenian churches, older Armenian churches, this is the way. So it was just uh, 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 just a simple table, and there was there was nothing around it. There was no icon or anything else. It was just a temp uh, simple table to offer uh, our badarak, to offer our prayers, to offer our worship to the Lord. So this version is a little the ancient version of Armenian Armenian altar. This is the inside. So this is the sanctuary of the church. As you go in, you'll see it's a beautiful, beautiful place. This is the gate of the monastery. As you, you go in, you'll see all these cells that the monks leave. As I said, at some point it was a monastery. There were many monks living here. Today it is functioning, as I said, as a church. So it's not a monastery anymore. It's just the church. People go for liturgical services. People go for their sacraments. But there are no monks living here anymore. And a monastery becomes a monastery when there are monks living in a monastery. If there are no monks, it is it is just a church for people to visit for specific services or sacraments they may uh, they may need. So, but that is uh, the gate of the monastery, as you can uh, you can see. Uh, the next uh, monastery that is really old and, and ancient is monastery of Saint Yerishev. And I wanted to go chronologically and just from fourth century until even uh, recently built built churches and monasteries. This is a monastery of St. Yerishe. Again, it was uh, it is it is it is fourth and fifth century monastery. As you can see it is not in a in a good shape. It is not functioning as a church. You can see there is a lot of uh, grass around there is a lot of uh, woods around it so it's not maintained because uh, it was not possible for a long time. It is actually found, it is actually in a Madaris village, Martagets region. As probably you heard a few days ago, this area was heavily bombed and shelled last few days, Martagets region, and even close to Madaris, Madaris village. So this monastery is right in that area. And God forbid if something happens to this monastery, because this is really important, important center for, for our Armenians. Uh, unfortunately, after uh, you know, after Artsakh was liberated, some of the monasteries, the diocese of Artsakh was able to renovate some of the monasteries. They were able to reopen churches, but not all of them. Some of them are not not possible, and of course, a lot of it depends on, on finances and different reasons. But this was one of the monasteries they were not they were not able to uh, reopen. They were not able to uh, renovate. Uh, but it is still an important historical site, and it belongs to uh, not to the diocese, as it is not functioning church. It belongs to the to uh, to the government as a historical site and cultural site, kind of. Uh, but it is an important uh, uh, monastic center for Armenians, and it was dedicated to uh, Apostle Yerishe. You may ask, there are twelve of them. Who is Apostle Yerishe? <laughs> Is that is that a 13th apostle who is apostle? <laughs> apostle Yerisha is actually uh, one of the apostles of uh, Saint Saint Thaddeus and others who came. Saint Thaddeus Bartholomew came to Armenia, but they had their own apostles too. They had their own followers too. So later, his apostle comes to comes to uh, comes to Armenia. Yerisha, who's one of them, and he, and he preaches in these areas, and he actually was martyred in this area. And he's buried in this monastery. His um, his tomb is found in this monastery, and it's an important site 
for Armenians for pilgrims to visit this monastery. It is really uh, the area is really beautiful, and Artsakh is actually uh, is is uh, the entire uh, homeland and. And I don't want to call it territory or land because it's not a territory or land for us. It is, uh, it is our, it is our home. It is a homeland for us. is is really beautiful. It quite, it is quite different from, uh, from the rest of Armenia because Armenia is rocky mountains and not many uh, forests and uh, uh, and green. But Artsakh is quite different because we see this a lot. There are, there are beautiful uh, mountains with a lot of green and woods, and even people cannot even go to these mountains because it's impossible to go not to get to get lost. And probably that's the strength of Armenian side as well because we know the mountains. We know, and people living there, they know the mountains, so they, they can defend themselves better too in these in these mountains. So this monastery is found on top of uh, on top of this. Uh, uh, of this mountain in top of this area. It was actually built again by Vachagan the Pious, <laughs> Vachagan Barebasht, who was, uh, as actually, as I, as I said, mentioned earlier, who was, um, who was a king in these areas. And as I, if I, as I say king, uh, it is important to note that uh, these, uh, uh, they were not actually uh, Armenian, uh, there was no actually Armenian kingdoms in this area. There were just different areas. They would call the the leaders of this area. They would call themselves kings, but they were not king dynasty or anything kingdom. But they would just call themselves kings because it was a common name and common thing to do. But they were part of larger Armenia or Medzhaik, greater Armenia, as we would uh, we would call them. But the leaders and people living in these areas. Naharas or ministers, as sometimes they were referred in Armenian literature, historical literature, they were uh, they would call themselves kings as well. Uh, and he was buried in this monastery, Vachagan the Pious. He he was when he died because he built this monastery as well. He built Amaras's, so he was buried in this monastery, monastery later. And he was uh, a sign of uh, humility uh, and being humble to be to be buried. In a monastery, and if you go to Gerhard Monastery, if you go to other monasteries, you will see that they are actually they are buried right on the ground, and people would walk on on them. So it was a sign of humility too. So people would walk on their tombstones and go into the church and sanctuary. So he was buried in this in this monastery. This is the side of the gate, probably of the monastery, and every monastery had a gate too, uh, because um, they wanted to protect themselves too. Um, this is a uh, Kataro Monastery, fifth uh, century again, and uh, it is uh, not renovated, but people can visit this monastery and light a candle. But this is the highest monastery that uh, it's just right on top of the mountain in the land of Artsakh. Probably in Armenia, we don't have any monasteries higher, probably, probably than uh, than this. Uh, it's built really, really high on top of the top of the mountain. It is built in Hadrut region. Uh, and as you know, uh, probably there was heavy fighting. Probably you heard heavy fighting in this region as well. Hadrut is southern, south of, of Artsakh, and at some point they were able to uh, to uh, uh, occupy part of part of Hadrut, uh, part of Hadrut area. Uh, so this monastery is in Hadrut, and, and and as there are claims that you know Hadrut is not part of Artsakh, Hadrut is not part of our well. There was a monastery coming to us uh, from fifth century in this in this area because Armenians lived here. Armenians 
Armenians created here, Armenians worshipped here. And as I said, it's about 2,400 meters above from the sea, and there are different um, uh, ways to measure this level, but it's quite high. If you think about it, uh, uh, Mount Ararat is 5,600 something, this is 2,400, so it, it was not easy for monks to live here. It was not easy for people to visit this. This was really, they put really an effort to be away from everybody else. It was <laughs> far away. Uh, the mountain is uh, the, the, is called Dizapite. And it comes to us from a story of St. Gregory. As I said, he preached in this area, the grandson, uh, grandson of, uh, of uh, St. Gregory, the Illuminator. Uh, and there were many who converted to Christianity in this area. But unfortunately, the uh, people, the rulers of this area, they didn't like that, and they murdered and killed a lot of people. Uh, and, and according to historians and history, they would put uh, people and Christians on top of each other, like uh, like they would put wood on top of each other, and they burned them. And that's why uh, the name came here, Dizapite, which means pile of wood. That's why the mountain received the name. Uh, uh, these are pile, pile of pile of wood. So it's, it is the story, quite quite difficult story of martyrdom of many Christians in this in this area uh, after the evangelization of Saint Gregory's the grandson of Gregory Illuminator. It is not well maintained. Uh, of course, when Artsakh became uh, part of uh, not part of in a, it was given to Azerbaijan as as a territory as a autonomous territory of Azerbaijan. Uh, during Soviet Union, of course, all these monasteries they were uh, uh, not really maintained, maintained, and there was actually effort to destroy some of them. Some of the ancient monasteries that I don't even have pictures or anything uh, are destroyed. Uh, the, some of the monasteries survive, but they are not really in a, in good shape. Uh, almost ruins. And as you can see, this monastery, uh, this monastery as well. Uh, next one that is uh, that is really beautiful. Uh, is Tsitsernavank Monastery, and it is again fourth century. These monasteries they were founded in this time. They were founded earlier when Christianity still was spreading in Armenia. And Tsitsernavank Monastery. You may think that Tsitsernak means a swallow and a bird in Armenian, but that's not what it, that's not what actually what name is. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. Tsitser uh, actually means pinky in 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 in, in ancient Armenian, in classical Armenian, uh, because Pinky of St. Peter the Apostle is actually, uh, according to tradition, is, 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 is buried in this monastery. His, his monastery was found on that relic, on a Pinky of, uh, of St. Peter. So the ruler of this area, who was called Melik, you know, in Armenia, they were called Nakharars, ministers. Uh, but in Artsakh, the rulers, they were called Meliks. Melik means a ruler of this area. So the Malik and the, the head of uh, the village or town, he didn't like the priest in this area. <laughs> in this area. So he would give him a hard time. <laughs> he would give him a hard time. So the priest uh, kind of uh, anathematized or, or, uh, or uh, said something to him that, you know, I, I don't wish you any good luck or anything, something probably worse than that. So, uh, and after that, he was, he would, this Malik would get really in, uh, in, in trouble and a lot of difficulties and challenges even in his personal life and uh, so we thought probably it's the priest who did something something to me so he went to apologize to him but the priest was gone 
So he went trying to find his priest, and he ends up in Rome, this Melik, because the priest was in Rome already, but he died. So he, he went after following him, but the priest was Rome, and he died, and he becomes a, a, a servant of the church in Rome, and he actually was able to find a pinky or somehow obtain a pinky of St. Peter and bring to Armenia and to Artsakh. And Zizer in Kralpar, in ancient classical Armenian, means pinky. So pinky of St. Peter, the apostle, is buried and found, relic is found in, uh, in this monastery. It is a little different from an uh, architectural standpoint uh, from other Armenian monasteries and churches because this is a bas basilic structure. Uh, uh, it, is, uh, it is not cross-shaped as we have uh, other Armenian churches. It's little Greek and Byzantium structure. And probably that was the influence of the person who, who lived in Rome and came back later and built this, uh, built this, uh, built this monastery. Uh, as already I mentioned, this story about Melik and the village, village priest. Uh, this is a beautiful monastery and probably more famous than, than others that I mentioned to you. Dadivank Monastery, 19th to 9th to 13th century probably some of you visited this uh this monastery it is a beautiful monastery again it is surrounded by beautiful armenian mountains and green and beautiful mountains uh, it is it is functioning functioning church today there is a priest living there there is actually church services going there so this this monastery unlike other monasteries was renovated after it was i was it was liberated and it is part of the diocese of Artsakh. It is a functioning monastery today. It took a long time for them to build this monastery, 9th to 13th century. And of course, when we talk about monasteries, there are different structures. Usually there is one chapel, and then on top, on next to that chapel, there is a main church, and there is another church because there were many monks they needed to worship, and sometimes they would worship in different places and different, different times sometimes too. So there are many different in one monastery, you may be able to find, you may find different churches with different names. So that's why sometimes it took them uh, for three, four centuries to build, uh, to build a monastery. Um, founded by uh, Dade, that's, that's why the name is Dadevank, who was a student of uh, St. Thaddeus, and he came and he started a, a, a place, he started a, a church here, uh, and of course, he probably was martyred in this area as well. And usually, when wherever they are buried, wherever there was a chapel founded first, later uh, the rulers, the kings, they would build a, they would build a, a church in this area. Uh, in 2007, actually, uh, there were there were new excavations in this area, and they found somebody buried in this area who was sitting on a throne. It was interesting finding. Uh, there was, uh, uh, and probably it was, uh, it was the king of this area, ruler of this area. But when they did some ask 2007, they found a grave and tomb of somebody who was buried and he was sitting on a chair on a throne. So there is a lot of actually interesting things that happen, happen in this area. All of these monasteries, they were not really, they were not really, uh, they were many, they were not excavations done in this area, unlike Armenia, because he was part of, uh, it was uh, it was given to Azerbaijan, and they didn't bother doing any of these studies about these monasteries. They, they, they it's it, it's it, yeah, they didn't really. They were not really interested, and probably they 
they couldn't do it either. Uh, uh, so in 2007, they did excavations. Armenians in this area, they found some interesting things. In uh, even even some some they, they were not traditional, uh, but they were the rulers and monks and probably the abbot of the monastery. Uh, functioning monastery until 1920s. It is interesting because some of the some of the Armenian monasteries uh, they stopped probably functioning as monastery. In beginning of the 20th century, until 1903 or 5, when Tsar, when Russian Tsar, when Armenia was part of Russia, they requested reporting from Armenian monasteries. They reporting financial. They they required financial reporting from monasteries. So so the monks they couldn't. They they, they were instead of praying, instead of service in the church, they had to. They had. They didn't know how to deal with all these numbers, and indeed, they didn't have any capacity. So there was no motivation for for monastic life. And then Armenian genocide came. So that probably, uh, and then after that, Armenian monastic life uh, in, in the Soviet Union. So until now, Armenian Church is struggling to revive monastic life in the Armenian Church. We don't have functioning monasteries today. We don't have monks today in the Armenian Church. We have, we have only about 800 Armenian priests. Armenia, uh, Church of Armenia in, from Holy Ashmazin, as well as Antilias in Lebanon. All of us combined, there is about 800 of us. So there is not enough, actually, uh, priests serving to our people. So we don't have that uh, monastic life in the, Armenian, in the Armenian Church today. So we need to revive, and that's what they are trying to do in Armenia. But this monastery it, it actually uh, was uh, lived until 1920s. And after I was Soviet Union, it was given as territory, as autonomous territory of Azerbaijan. Uh, it stopped, of course, functioning as a monastery. It was closed, and Azerbaijani state really didn't, Azeri state really didn't care about any of this Christian heritage. In 1993, it was liberated. In 1994, actually, it was uh, reopened and, and started functioning as a monastery, as a church, until until today there is a there is a monk, there is a priest living in this area interestingly enough mahitar gosh who is a well-known figure if you go to matinadaran lilet you have been to matinadaran michelle you've been to matinadaran i'm sure mayam you have been to matinadaran as well as many of us uh mahitar gosh actually there is a there is a statue of mahitar gosh right in front of matinadaran there is there is metro master there's moses foreigners there is others and among them there is also Mahitar Ghosh, who wrote this important book, Tatastanagik, which was a collection of rules and laws, probably one of the first in Armenian in Armenian history. So Mahitar Ghosh lived in this monastery in Dadibank for some time, and he worked on his book, Tatastanagik, from in this monastery. So there is historical evidence of that that Mahitar Ghosh, who is in this picture, you can see, lived in this monastery. And he worked on the, in this monastery on his book, Book of Laws, or Dadastanagi, Book of Judgment, or Book of Laws. I didn't want to put Book of Judgment. <laughs> judgment book of Laws sounds sounds a little better. Uh, anyway, Mahitar Ghosh lived in this monastery, and he studied in this in this monastery. Next, we have Ganzasar Monastery, which is quite beautiful, and probably uh, probably many Armenians visited. Uh, visited this this uh, this monastery. It was built. Uh, there was actually a specific date of uh, founding of this monastery, 1240, 
July 22nd. It was a feast of Vartabar. Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting that uh, uh, July 22nd, it's around the same time uh, in Feast of Vartabar is close to my heart because that's when I was ordained too on a Feast of, uh, of Vartabar. So this church was founded and opened on this feast, Feast of Vartabar, Gandhasar, Gandhasar Monastery. Uh, and probably one of the one of the most beautiful Armenian monasteries ever ever created. I mean, beautiful Armenian churches, and the site is quite beautiful. There is no way, even if you're bad at taking pictures, there is no way you'll take a bad picture. <laughs> there is no way you, if you just just snap a picture of this monastery, it is going to be a beautiful picture. It is going to be with clouds and mountains around it. Even if you're better taking, you'll take a beautiful picture. This monastery is certainly one of the most beautiful monasteries. As I mentioned earlier in my talk, uh, Artsakh was part of this area called Arvank. And Arvank, at some point, they had their own Catholicos. They were they were not separate from the Armenian Church, but it was actually common. You know, Sunik had its own Catholicos, Zangezur. We had uh, Vandi had their own Catholicos. Uh, uh, and it was it was it was uh, common for these areas. They have their own leaders of the Armenian Church. So Arvang, they had their own leader and Catholic was like the head of the church, and the, the, this was the residency of that Catholic. Because if you go on the left side, there are rooms, and one of the rooms was his room. Actually, you can see his throne. You can see the throne of Catholicos of Arvang's Catholicos. Uh, uh, so this was important center for us. So probably the most important religious center for Artsakh for, for a long time, because this was, uh, uh, this was not only a monastic center, but this was actually actually administrative center for the Armenian church, for the Armenian church in Artsakh. So this was a important, important place. Uh, main church that you can see is uh, St. John the Baptist Armenian, Armenian church, which by some professors, uh, Professor Sorbonne and others who studied Armenian churches, they put among top five Armenian most beautiful, architecturally sophisticated and most beautiful Armenian churches. Of course, Holy Eshmiadzin, St. Ripsime, Gerhard and others. So Gandhasar Monastery is among five most beautiful Armenian, architecturally most beautiful Armenian churches. Uh, during uh, during uh, the war, the first war, 1990, 1991 and 1996 or so, this church actually came under heavy shelling and fire. If you visit the church, if you pay close attention to the to the dome of the of the monastery, you'll see uh, uh, you'll see many bullets bullets and that came to the monastery. They attacked the monastery, and it's it, it, it be, we even see that happening today. So it's not that it was unusual back then. Uh, there was actually priest who was serving here, Father Hobanes, and he, uh, he, he led, uh, he was fighting among the soldiers in this area too. Uh, there are pictures of that. And they even sent a missile to the, on, the, on the side, uh, uh, on, the, on the gate, there is, a, there is this missile that was sent to the monastery, but it didn't, it didn't explode, thankfully. Uh, and, and that didn't damage the monastery. So it is still there. If you visit a monastery, you will see. I have a picture when we take that uh, uh, out. And uh, so this monastery came under heavy fighting because they wanted to uh, to capture and to get this monastery. But I mean, Armenians, they fought hard for this monastery. So there is some damage 
on the dome of the monastery. Some of these you can see, uh, as you can see, uh, uh, there is a person holding a church above his head. It's actually common architectural theme in the Armenian in the, in Armenian church. This was first found in Ani, in uh, Ani, Armenian city in Western Armenia, which was known as city of thousand and one thousand churches. So it was first King Gagik who was holding the church, the main church of Ani that he built. And after that, this was a common theme in the Armenian architecture, especially Armenian church architecture. You can see the circle of, uh, of eternity. You can see Christ. You can see four, four evangelists. So uh, this church is actually beautiful, beautiful architecture. This church is beautiful place uh, to visit and, uh, and worship. Here you can see closely here, uh, you can see uh, you can see the person holding. Usually, it is either the founder of the church or the priest or Catholicus who have had a significant role in building building this church. You can see the sign of uh, the symbol of eternity uh, as as well as symbol of cross. So it's beautiful church. And actually, as as you pay attention, the the, the church that his person is holding above his head actually that's the main cathedral of Ani. Uh, so the, they still kept that theme, although it's on a different church, but it's still the same symbol. This is the sanctuary of the church. There is a narthex when you go, so it's very traditional. In the Armenian church, there is first narthex as you go into the church. That's the place when they would get ready. Uh, and, and those who are not baptized, usually they would stay in this area and wait until they were invited, until there was, there was repentance and time and preparation. So there was narthex for those who were in preparation time, and then they would enter the sanctuary, which was which you can see is further, further down. So this is narthex, and then they'll enter the sanctuary. Chazan Chetzot Cathedral, as you come, as we come chronologically, from 4th century, 7th century, 9th century, 13th, and I tried to choose uh, most important, probably centers, well-known centers for all of us. This was 1888. Built this monastery is probably relatively newer than uh, than some of the monasteries fourth and fifth centuries. So, uh, uh, and as you can see, it is uh, uh, the color of the church is not traditional Armenian, but this is traditional for that city. This is traditional stone. Uh, this is traditional. Uh, uh, view for that city so that's why it is built with that with this specific white white stone uh, it is in a city in the city of shushi uh and this is the center of the armenian church in Artsakh today this is the cathedral of the armenian church today as i mentioned ganzasar was the center for a long time for Artsakh, but now this is the diocese this is the headquarters as you will of the armenian church in Artsakh today the armenian diocese in Artsakh. 1888, little different structure, but still traditional Armenian Armenian church. Not maybe not the colors, but uh, the main church is called All Savior Armenian Armenian Church, Amina Pergich, Armenian Church. Uh, beautiful architecture. You can see the angels. They are unique for this for this church and unique symbol symbols. It's uh, they are not found in many Armenian. Armenian churches and architecture, but they are found and they are symbols of the church. As you pay attention on the dome, of uh, you can see many of these angels around, around this, around this church, all Savior Armenian church. Uh, 
As we speak about uh, also what's happening today, it is also important to note that this is not the first time that Armenians came under attack in, in Shushi or in Artsakh. In 1918 and 1920s, there were massacres of Armenians, uh, in 1920s especially. And this was a picture after the massacres in 1920s, and the part of the church was destroyed as well. And as it was taken from Armenians, the territory was, became part of the autonomous region of, uh, of Azerbaijan. Uh, the church was actually closed. Uh, part of it was destroyed. The, 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 the cross was taken down. Uh, all these structures, they were destroyed around it too. Uh, and it's important to remember all of these monasteries, they had land around the church. They had villages around the church. They would take care of the monastery as well. So all of that was taken away from them. The church was used as a storage. And at some point, it actually was used as a garage for 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 them to park their cars or whatever whatever they needed during the Soviet Union. So it was closed for the entire 70 years almost of a Soviet regime in um, in Artsakh. Uh, the church did not did not function. But this was a symbol of liberation of Artsakh. This is 1994 already. When uh, 1993 or 94, this is when when Hazan Chetsos was liberated, when city of Shushi, and that was probably uh, uh, the probably the first sign of Armenian Armenians liberating their homeland and a victory. Uh, so when when Hazan Chetsos was liberated, that was definitely became part of symbol of, uh, of a liberation liberation of Artsakh. It was actually destroyed almost all of it because. Uh, Azeris, they would put uh, uh, some guns and, and, and weapons and they would fire from this church, around this church, knowing that Armenians, they would not bomb the church. Uh, Armenians, they would not destroy the church. But of course, it came under heavy fire and uh, part of it, a uh, large part of the church was uh, was destroyed during uh, during this time. But we are also people that uh, we, we create, we, we renovate, we, we build again. And the church was built after that. Uh, church was built all of these years. And as you can see, people celebrating here, people going on a, on a church and liberation. And, and I wonder what, ha what is happening to all these people these days and all these children who were born during war and raised. And probably some of them, they lost their lives these days too, uh, fighting and defending and protecting their homeland. Um, so these children, it is, it is interesting. There was happy day for their parents and for themselves. Liberation of Hazan Shetso, symbol of, uh, of Artsakh. This person had a significant role in that. He was he was part of that uh, part of that liberation. He was one of the first people that entered that uh, uh, that cathedral, Hazan Shetso's cathedral. He's the primate of the diocese of Artsakh until now, before probably for 30 years or so, he's the primate. I saw his picture recently uh, and war, uh, he, he, he's not, he doesn't have the same health and probably uh, he, all these years and seeing everything that he, he saw, they probably uh, make him uh, really, uh, uh, really difficult for him all these, all these years. But he's a symbol of uh, liberation of Artsakh as well. He was, he's, uh, he's part of, part of the, uh, he, he's the primate of the diocese, but he's also a leader that people look up to in, uh, in Artsakh, he's, um, he's the uh, spiritual father 
of, uh, of Artsakh, the symbol of liberation of Artsakh. In 2000 and 2008, actually, uh, there was this event that took place at Razan Chetsots. About uh, 500 couples, they got married at Razan Chetsots. As you can see here, all these people, they were actually bride and groom. About 500 of them, uh, 500 here and 200 at Gansasar. The same time they got married and it was, it was a beautiful ceremony, kind of revival of life, a new life, a new beginning for Artsakh. Uh, so 500 couples, they, couples, they got, they got married at Razan Chetsos. It was a beautiful day. There was a godfather, a uh, famous Armenian uh, benefactor from the village of, uh, of, of Gansasar, village of Vank, actually, underneath Gansasar. The, the village actually is called Monastery, right underneath Gansasar Monastery. So he was the godfather for all these, all these couples, all these people getting married. So 500 of them here, of 200 in Gansa, sorry, beautiful scene, beautiful videos that we saw uh, from Gansa, sorry. Just the opposite what we see these days uh, happening, uh, and probably I'm sure all of you know what happened to Cathedral. It was bombed twice. Uh, it was part of it was destroyed. Uh, part of some of the, it was Angel right on top here. I remember that was destroyed. Uh, part of the sanctuary uh, was destroyed. Uh, which is really sad, uh, sad to see. And the, and and it was deliberate attack. Uh, they may deny it. They may say it was probably an accident, whatever they say. But knowing how sophisticated their weapons and their guns are, I'm sure it was deliberate attack. Knowing how important this center is for Armenian people, this uh, how uh, important uh, center, uh, uh, and religious center, and it's a center, a cathedral for Armenian diocese and it's a symbol for Armenia. So that's why it was it was it was attacked one of the first days. As you can see, this is the sanctuary uh, uh, that was uh, that was destroyed. Interestingly enough, you know, when you go down underneath the altar, there is one area that uh, is unique to any Armenian church. Because when you go to that area, as you can speak, you can hear your voice coming back to you as well. And there was a reason for that, because the priest who was, uh, who was, uh, who, who was assigned to this church, he, he, was, he was the only one, like I'm, I'm here, <laughs> like myself here, I'm the only priest here. But on Sundays actually, every Sunday, I have to do special uh, confession before I can celebrate a liturgy. And in order for me to do that, there needs to be another priest to receive the confession from me. Of course, there is nobody here. But this priest, he refused and he said, somebody needs to listen to me as I confess, as I do confession. This is the tradition. I'm not sure how, how to, but that's the story that they are telling. So the architect <laughs> architect of this church is, okay, I'll find a solution for you. They built this, this room that as he was confessing, he could hear his voice <laughs> as well. He could hear him speaking as well. So it's a sp special room if you go down to uh, Hazan Chetsos Monastery, uh, uh, you, you'll, you, when you go and you speak, you can hear your voice uh, uh, coming back to returning, returning to you. Uh, sad scene to see, of course, bombing and, and, and all of this. It's unfortunate. 
But prayer never stopped in this monastery. People still are, are praying and they still have services in this monastery. They have uh, worship services in the monastery and the priest is still serving. Uh, they are still offering prayers in this monastery. So despite all the challenges and difficulties, life, life goes on and prayer, most importantly, goes on in this, in this monastery. And how beautiful it was when about a few days ago, there was actually a wedding after the bombing of this church, the couple that came and they, and they, and they, and they got married in this church. And I hope that they'll live the rest of their lives in peace after they got married in this monastery. I hope that uh, they won't, they won't go through any of this shelling and bombing and, and killings. I hope they'll be able to, uh, to live as a family and to have children and to uh, enjoy their lives together uh, as they started in this, in this monastery, these challenging, difficult days. Uh, beautiful, beautiful day. I wanted to share this picture with you. This is a beautiful sight, and you can see a rainbow, a renewal, and, and, I, and I hope this will be a sign of peace and promise and deliverance of God. Uh, and, I, and we hope that uh, God will continue protecting this land and, and Armenians. But that's a beautiful sight, a beautiful, beautiful scene. And this is the actually newest church in the, in the city of Stepanakert, which is the capital of of, uh, of Artsakh. Uh, this church was built, uh, I believe, last year, a year ago, uh, two years ago, uh, was the opening and consecration, as I should say, uh, of this church. This is the, uh, the newest church in, uh, in Artsakh that was built uh, a few years ago. Uh, probably some of you who visited, uh, you know, who visited Armenia, probably you tried Grand, grand candy, Armenian chocolate or Armenian, <laughs> Armenian candy. So the family that, that own, they are the benefactors of this church. They, uh, they sponsored the, uh, the foundation of this church. And Stepan Aget is, was, um, was a city that didn't have any of these monasteries or ancient churches. And so they built this monastery. These, they built this beautiful church in, in Stepan Aget. And, uh, and just two days, uh, probably a week, or a week ago or so, they had all these uh, beautiful doves flying above this church and above Stepan Aikert, hopefully a sign of peace for Arabah, for, uh, for Artsakh, uh, for our people, people living there. Um, we have a beautiful and wonderful Christian heritage in Artsakh. Uh, people need to be protected. This heritage needs to be protected. Uh, and, and we need to preserve this and not destroy uh, this heritage, these people. We live there for or as you saw probably from fourth century until now, we, we created this beautiful heritage. Armenians lived before Christianity and after Christianity, they, there is there are important Christian sites, not only for Armenians, but for entire Christian world. There are some important religious centers uh, in, uh, in, 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 in land of Artsakh that, uh, that need, people need to know about. And, we, and, and I don't want people to know Artsakh only as a, as a conflict or a place where people always kill each other, there's always fighting, but there is actually a beautiful heritage in Artsakh. There is actually a, it, it is actually a beautiful, beautiful Christian place and, uh, and Christian heritage that needs to be, needs to be preserved. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe.